0: Welcome to another episode of Top Lines and Tales, the nation's favourite livestock podcast. And uh, it's great to have all you listeners back on here again. And of course, as always, I'd like to thank our sponsors Harbro for their continued support of the Top Lines and Tales podcast. And uh, I think we've got a great podcast for you this week. This week on Top Lines and Tales, I'm uh, honoured to have a guest here all the way from North Wales, from snowy North Wales, I have to say, um, there where it's coming down a little bit, and a man who's a a vet and well-known in that area, but of course better known as uh, one of the top Charolais cattle breeders in in the world, I would say, uh, Esmore Evans, welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much. And Esmore, I said you're there in North Wales, we'll just go, you, you are a vet, always have been a vet, you still involved in, still run the vet practice?
1: Yeah, I yeah, still run a vet practice, there's um, four other assistant vets uh, in the practice, so there's five of us all together.
0: Okay. Uh,
1: but I'm, uh, I'm there every day, uh I'm uh, still a, a, an active part in it really, because uh, mm. it's been my business since uh, I qualified in 72, right. uh, from the Dick Vet in Edinburgh, and um, uh, it's
0: been something I've done every day since then really brilliant and and you is it a large animal practice mainly or is it just all across the there? because there's not so quite so many large animal practices about these days so you still stick with the cattle side as well
1: well it started off as a large animal practice um, but uh, now I would say with 60% small animals and uh, 40% large animals now really it's, it's swung the other way Um mm-hmm. the way things have gone um, there's more and more
0: small animal work and uh, less and less farm work, really. A <laughs> bit easier to deal with the general public than the farmers there is more well, maybe?
1: <laughs> I would say they uh, certainly don't seem to worry so much about uh, what they spend on their animals, anyway. <laughs>
0: fair enough, fair enough. And uh, I said uh, Hill Farm, I wouldn't quite be right, but you do run up to a thousand feet there, do you, at the farm there at, uh, at Mould? Oh, we do, uh, yeah. The, well, I've got...
1: Uh, uh, four farms scattered uh, across uh, parts of uh, North Wales really and um, the original farm was uh,
0: over a thousand feet and that's where I was brought up. Mm-hmm. And, and we'll talk about you established the Mary herd of Charolais back there I mean you've said I've got 73 from my research so that makes it 50 years as more. Well.
1: Yes, I suppose it will be uh, since uh, I qualified for the Dick Bet in 72 and I bought my first cow, Charlie cow, the following year um, okay. in 73. Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: Uh-huh. And and just briefly, how many cows are you running now? I know we're coming up to Sterling bull sale time again and you still be bringing bulls there. How many cows do you run there in the herd?
1: Well, I have. Um, uh, cut them back a bit I was on about uh, 200 cows at one time mm-hmm. uh, but we're now down to maybe 120 130 Charlotte cows mm-hmm. um, uh, but um, it's just a reflection of uh, of, of the demand in, in uh, bulls basically
0: OK yeah just keep cut the herd to suit the amount of bulls you can sell and I mean your list of, of achievements at Sterling is endless we've got a purse should I say we can't go through them all but uh we just go back to the beginning of of, of when you started there. I know you bought a few animals in Bambury. I suppose Banbury was probably the place to go for Charolais back there in the beginning.
1: It was. It was. Yeah, a big centre really. And uh, um, I at, at first I couldn't really afford the best cows, but um, I kept on going to all the sales and looking out for the best cows. And um, lo and behold, over the years they came back on the market. A lot of the people who bought them. Uh, with money men and uh, after a few years they they had enough and they were selling up and um, so I was able to pick these cows up um, a lot cheaper
0: uh, over the years really. And, and Coat Iris of course would be one of those, I think you bought her as an older cow didn't you? That's right, she was sold at a Coat Dispersal
1: Sale and um, and then I ended up buying her in a production
0: sale in, uh, in Banbury Mm-hmm. and uh, she turned out to be a very good cow really yeah we'll go into her merits in a second there but you um, what got you into Cheryl Aysmo where did you first come across and where was the inspiration come to, to get into the white breed well I was always interested
1: in pedigree breeding and I started off with uh, Suffolk sheep mm-hmm. and um and then went into um some Helliford cattle. uh but um at the time there wasn't a whole lot of demand for, for them and the Continentals were just coming into the country and uh there seemed to be a big demand for them, and uh, the Charolais being the first of the Continentals to come in, seemed to establish itself uh, above everything else, and um, so that's how I got into
0: the Charolais really. Okay. You, I mean, you're very early, in the first Charolais, I think came in the middle 60s, but they weren't really established until until the 70s, so you would be one of the earlier breeders in, in the herd book. That's right, yes, yeah. Uh-huh. And, and we mentioned the, the, the cow. I think another Hansworth Ivy is another cow that I've got that you bought there in Banbury too. No, uh, Hansworth Ivy I bought privately um, from a guy called Gwyn Jones
1: in Hereford, and that was my first cow, right, first okay. cow I ever bought. Mm-hmm. Um, I paid four thousand for her in seventy-three, in, um, which was a lot of money in those well, days.
0: Yeah, uh, big gamble, I guess. Big gamble.
1: Yes, a very big gamble, really. Yeah, I put all the cash
0: I had into her and um uh it uh it was a gamble mm-hmm. and had you been reasonably successful in the Suffolk sheep because i know you ran the Suffolk for a while there you were you in amongst sort of these boys back then that were starting to make the big money in the Suffolk? did you have that interest
1: no i never hit the highlights uh i was always selling my rams locally um and um show them a bit, but. Um, uh I wasn't it was a hobby
0: and he, I never took it too seriously really but <laughs> it, it was something I quite enjoyed yeah i know you went back into sheep again later on let's just talk about uh, coat iris then uh, you put her to tattenhall impeccable to breed you to you know some great show cows iris was a great breeder but impeccable too was uh, were you were you fortunate that he was around at that time
1: yes very much so really and uh, he was uh, he was the the bull that sort of uh, made the chatley really uh and I um I concentrated on Tatanol Impeccable and used him extensively in the herd. Him and Court Lazard really were the two of the bulls I originally used. And um um when I bought uh Court Iris I um I flushed her with Tatanol Impeccable and uh, that was quite
0: successful really. Mm-hmm. And that would be made uh, victorious would be one of those uh the, oh, my other big was one of the first bulls uh,
1: okay. I had. Uh, I had of um, of court Irish, okay. and um, he went to to Perth in those days. Neil Massey was judging, and
0: uh, he made him champion. And he actually bought the bull, mm-hmm. and he did very well for him. Spread your genetics further, further north, uh, yeah. and, and were you going to Perth from the outset? Obviously, the old market and you know, fantastic place it was. Would you would you have taken Perth pretty much straight? Bulls to Perth pretty much straight away. Uh,
1: yes, I I did really. Uh, probably um, that sale would have been the second sale uh, I ever went to in in, in Perth. Uh, that was in the October, mm-hmm. and then the, in, the, in the February the following sale, I had uh, another full brother, a quarter Irish with um not impeccable, uh, was champion again, um, and uh, so that was two two
0: following sales with two
1: full brothers, with both champions.
0: Okay, okay, he obviously went on to win a lot more champions. Again, we'll go into that in a second. Uh, and Lizard you mentioned uh, where, where did he come from? Well,
1: he was uh, imported from France by uh, uh,
0: coptons who had the coat herd uh, and uh, I used the semen of him. Okay. Uh-huh. And, and you say you, you've, I mean, he bred some great females, I know. You say you flushed uh, um, coat iris. That would be very early. I know you're a vet, so, but that would be very early in, in the flushing game. Were you doing that yourself? Did you get involved in, in, in learning the specialist techniques of flushing back then?
1: Yeah, well, I didn't uh, originally. Uh, I I had a guy come into the farm to do the flushing, but then um, I I, did, I trained myself with this guy, and then started doing my own flushing. But mm-hmm. uh, the original flushings were um, uh, were done um, by an, another fellow from uh, Suffolk Way, and, uh, uh, and then he. I went down to him to train, and then um, started doing my own.
0: Uh-huh. And would you do that fairly extensively from the start there, keep re- ex- expanding those lines?
1: Well, uh, yeah, it was difficult with uh, running a practice to uh, have time to go and do it uh, commercially for mm-hmm. a lot of people. So I constantly mm-hmm. on doing my own, did a few for other people, but it was, it was mainly just for myself.
0: Okay, okay. And we're talking about a cow lapping for tulip. I'm not quite sure how she fits into this. Is she not a daughter of Iris?
1: Yeah, she... She was uh, um when I bought um Code Iris at uh, Bambury the guy who was selling up and he had uh, three or four calves as well back home on the farm so I went back to the farm and bought them and uh, one of these calves was was uh wrapping for tulip which turned out to be an outstanding
0: showcase she was
1: only just um uh six or eight months when I bought her
0: okay okay. And she went on to be, as you said, a showcage, winning, winning everywhere she went. Did she? Did she not involved in winning the Burke? If I remember right, was she? Yeah, no, she,
1: she won the Burke. Yes, yeah, yeah. and uh, that's when when Steve Jones was working for me. I was going to say that was yeah, around about the time,
0: went, time when Steve came to you. Yeah, yeah he's. He, in fact,
1: we've got a picture of him being presented with a trophy by um, by Prince Charles, well, by the King now, really. Mm-hmm.
0: What year was that? As much as it say on the bottom of the picture.
1: I think it would be in the, mid, the mid-90s, really. Mm. I don't exactly remember the year.
0: Yeah, certainly. Um, and you had uh, Mary Empress as a show cow, and I think she was in... Would she be in that same team as well, would she?
1: Yeah, I uh, had a, a team of three cows at the, at the Royal one year, and uh, they were outstanding cows. There was um, Tulip, uh, Lapping for Tulip. There was and uh, Umbell. And her daughter, um, the Empress. Right. And uh, they, they were, they were, they were. Uh, Empress was a tough, not impeccable daughter, and so
0: was mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Certainly, as you said, impeccable did a did a lot of good there. And I suppose with the bull we should talk about really is uh, Mary Director. of 1989, I think the last um, sale in the old Perth market there, and uh, of course a record there at 56,000, and the first bull to break the 50,000 pound mark for some 30 years or so. A frenchman judge in that year um esmore Albert Raymond was the judge
1: that's right yes yeah and um fortunately i um the the welsh um, um agriculture program was uh, doing a feature on me at the time they came to the farm and um um they filmed the bulls and they asked if they could come up to perth to uh, to the sale um to see see the bulls being sold so
0: uh, when director was sold for fifty six thousand, it was all caught on camera really because mm-hmm. they were filming the whole thing. I've, I've seen snippets of that are still out there on the internet, so I, I wondered where those those came from. So that was them uh, them filming that. But he didn't just be uh, champion with him. I think you did. You not win all three sections uh, that year in eighty nine. Um,
1: I I won the senior with director and the overall, and won the years with Marty Automobile.
0: Uh, so uh, I didn't win the intermediates. <laughs> not that year, not that year. I was there my first year at Perth, in actual fact. I was there, I remember, director to, uh, all too well there and a tremendous show of cattle you really had. But, I mean, you, by this time, or, or certainly going on to the 90s, you were up in your numbers. I mean, I remember going to, to, the, to the hunting tower and you having strings of bulls, 20-odd. I mean, what was the most bulls you took up to up to Perth? I think it was, um, it was fifth,
1: just over 51 or 52, I think I had just after... The- uh after the foot of mouse which was an uh, incredible number <laughs> really, i don't know how we managed it yeah I I uh, you know when we we think we got a lot of balls when we go up at ten now and uh, uh, to have that number it was unbelievable really
0: absolutely phenomenal I know I mean I've studied Perth going back all the way back to the the other hundred years that it's been in existence and nobody's come anywhere closer bringing that number of 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 Just just absolutely incredible and and a good team of guys the thing is with the charolais to take a bit of work too because obviously the being white you've got to to our listener who doesn't know too much about the charolais being white you've got to keep them clean and then of course got to soap all the hair up as well it's not just a a quick blow over with a the dryer there's a lot a lot of effort going into getting those dressed up two or three days in a
1: well, that's right. Um, you, we used to soap them up for the show uh, one day, and then wash it all
0: off and, uh,
1: that night, and then soap them up again the following day. Um, and uh, we did try with uh, in one sale just um, soaping them up once and leaving them, and, and just combing it up the next day, but it didn't work very well. No. So we went back to to uh, washing it washing it all off and. I'm re-soaping them the next day. You need a yeah, picker so
0: with a lot of bulls, with a lot of work, really. <laughs> you need a picker to bring the soap up there with you. I think, in that. <laughs> and 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 uh, ninety three, I've got down Danny. You sold a bull twenty four thousand to Jim Goldie. Was that you sort of getting started in? And uh, I don't know. Did you you and Jim work quite quite a lot together, did you? i about that time exchanging breeding. Well,
1: well, yes, I bought some bulls off him, and he bought some off me. Um, it was all, you know. Uh, he, he must have fancied one of my bulls, and I probably fancied one of his, and, uh,
0: and uh, that was it, really. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And, and and then you would go to France, obviously some French breeding right from the outset, but you would go to France regularly, every year, I guess. Would you be bringing bulls in regularly from France? A lot of people say you go to the third generation, you go to France, fetch another one. Did you...
1: Yes, well, um, um, I started off going to France right at the beginning and uh, carried on, really, and got to know... Um, uh, some um, quite good French breeders uh, very well and got on very well with them and uh, there was a French vet I got on very well with called Jack Manier and uh, his father was one of the top Charlie breeders uh, Mark Manier his name was and um, uh, did a lot with him and then um, after after that I got very friendly with another fellow called John Louis um who was actually Come to Stirling on a couple of occasions. He speaks quite very good English, and uh, I share bulls with him. And he's a very good, uh, a very clever guy. He's uh, he's got a fantastic memory for pedigrees, and uh, you can ask him about it, any bull in France, and he'll any bull, and he'll know the background of it. And uh, so he's a big asset, really, to uh, to have over there in France.
0: Mm-hmm. And and to start with, you'd be. The bulls in France would be slightly, it would be different, I suppose. It'd be the right way. And when I live in France, and they still are to, to a degree, but they would be maybe a bit more squat, a bit heavier in the bone, bit a bit uh, you know, a, a bit wider in the back end. And, and you know, did you did you were you did you concentrate on that type of bull there, or were you trying to breed breed your own type to suit the, the, the UK market?
1: No, I was trying to accommodate the UK market really, and uh, you had to be very careful. Some of the these bulls in France were a bit too heavy and too muscly. But then um, you had the other types as well, which was more our, our type and the smoother types of our charlots. Mm-hmm. So you just just need to um, um,
0: go to the right places and, uh, and and try and find what suited our market, really. Okay, and would you go to sales down there? Would that be the be main sale you'd all turn up to each time, or was it more about picking them yeah. off on home?
1: Yeah, well, uh, I I have bought some at home there, but I've also bought... I must have bought quite a few at auction sale. There had a big auction sale in Manicool, um, after the national sale, national show, and um, uh, and we. Did, I did buy probably half a dozen bulls over the
0: years at these auction sales. Okay, a couple of bulls I got written down. Grimaldi, being one of them, was quite well well known, and then Governor, another one. So, what, what years would those be? That would be early on. Eh?
1: Yeah, well Grimaldi I, I was an older bull. He was he'd be about um four year old when I bought him. He bred very well, uh, and he was from a very good herd. Um and uh, uh he did he did a tremendous job for me really, you know, and his and his brother to a lesser extent, he's done a quite um quite a good job as well really. Um, for various people
0: okay and and i just got to mention figures obviously it's you know carving figures and and, and such like would are, are an important part of any breed but an important part of the cheryl is as well and would you be bringing bulls in with figures or would you just go on the understanding that, uh, that what folks told you that that, uh, that you could get get your figures to work with them when you brought them in
1: no well i, well, I think they have a different figure system there but um uh you know, carving is important, and uh, the has done a big progress as far as the the carving's concerned. And the Charlie does carve a lot easier now than they used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you've got to keep uh, an eye on this carving job. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know whether the figures that are in the, in the catalogues mean a whole lot, because. Um, they're only as good as the information that goes into them, um, and I think your your eye is probably as good a guide as anything, really.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yep. But, but
1: in France, um, when we when I buy a bull, um, I get to know through these contacts that I have out there if there are any problems. With certain bulls for carving, really. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, just the hearsay, and 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 the trust, I suppose, isn't it as well? do bringing bring in and are you still bringing? Are you still bringing bulls in? Are you still going out there, more well? Still do, is that trade still going? I know. I know. Andrew Hornell said he you know, he still goes out regularly to to the sales and such like.
1: I'm still going out there, but not as often. Um, but I, I tend to go to the to the show in Paris, the main show in in in, in March mm-hmm. uh, or end of February, uh, but uh the best show is probably uh, uh um the, the Mulan show at the end of the year where you have all the champions from all the different um uh, shows right through the summer okay uh but but it's not as easy to get cattle in anymore no. in fact it's, it's impossible at the moment yeah. because of uh, the and, and um um the this viral hemorrh- uh, hemorrhagic disease that's coming up from Spain to to France. Sure. They've closed the border to the UK now a while those so are on the go, and um, uh, God knows when they'll open them again. No, no,
0: no, you're right. You're right. And, and the shoe on the other foot there, there'll be a demand for export worldwide, I guess. So would you have exported um, Charolais back into France, Esma?
1: Um, well, I don't know, because uh, again, exporting from this country is not going to be very easy now that we've, no, I'm that t- we've left uh, the uh, sea, and also at the moment we've got this blue tongue down in, in Norfolk and Kent, which is again, has caused all
0: exports from from the UK to all countries really. Of course, it hasn't specifically Northern Ireland at the moment, which is making a bit of an issue. Now, I'm talking a little bit further back. Were you exporting? Were your cattle in demand overseas? Going back the way when you first sort of um, when you were hitting the highlights in, in the nineties and early two thousands? Well,
1: I I was told quite a lot to uh, cattle to Ireland.
0: And I've sold some back to France as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah I was going to say that would be, I'd imagine there'll be a demand for them going back in. And you said you shared a ball with, with, with a Frenchman, so that's just a sharing the semen, I guess.
1: Yes, well, yeah, um, I shared two or three balls with, um, at the moment with, uh, well, three or four balls, actually, with uh, with this guy, John levy in, in France. Okay. And uh, when I was there in um in uh, December, I uh, I did buy a share in a in a bull in,
0: uh, in that bull, on show. Okay, okay, good, good. We look forward to seeing some progeny from him. Obviously, you've got Sterling Sales coming up next week, and uh, we'll go on to maybe in that in a second. Just just move through. You mentioned Steve Jones as briefly, and Steve was with you for uh, a, a good length of time there, and uh, and a great stockman, and then and then you replaced him as well. But he was a hard man to replace, I guess.
1: Yes, he was. Well, my, well, the first talkman I had was um, Roy Crockett, uh, who um, at the time was working with Jim Goldie, and he came down to me, uh, and then he, he was with me for about 12 months, and he left and went back to Jim. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then after him, uh, I had, Steve Jones came to me, and um, he was a, 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 a tremendous guy as far as showing was concerned, and, and uh, learning pedigrees and that sort of thing. It was uh, it was, him and his wife were both really, really good at the job.
0: That's right. And Janet, went, him and Janet went up to Robert Graham's after you, I believe.
1: That's right. Yes. Yeah.
0: yeah he was. Uh, they were with me for
1: about two and a half years, mm-hmm. and um, and they they loved the showing, and they
0: they did put my herd on the map. Mm-hmm. Okay, and Steve Goodbannon. He was an oppo of my father's in the Blue Domain sheep brand about that time as well. Had a, him and Janet had a few of those before they went off to to Canada, and then you had Titter in there. He's been he been in there a while as well.
1: Yes, he, he carried on for, uh, after Steve left, really, um, uh, and he—he he was my nephew, and yes, uh, my nephew, and he—he um, he did a, a very good job as well. He's a very, very good um, showman. Very, very quiet with the cattle, and um, did, a, did a very good
0: job. Really. Mm. And it's big numbers as well. When you said you're running 200k, I mean you will have more than one stockman, I guess, when you're running that. But running 200 cows, it's a huge effort. It's not just like some of these boys going in there in a 20 cow herd. It's a lot of work.
1: No, but no, well, that's, you've just got to run them commercially, really, and let the mm. cream come to the top, really. Okay. And um, uh, you, you just can't push them all of them from.
0: From the start. No, and you'd have a few reduction sales. I think your first reduction sale in Bambury going back into the the late eighties, uh, um, eighty eight, I think there, and uh, and again in ninety one, you started started having uh, female reduction sales on a regular basis.
1: Yeah, my first um, uh, reduction sale was just before Steve Jones started with us, okay. and that was uh, in com- we had in common with John Downs um, at, at his farm. Um, which worked very well. We had a very good um, very good sale there. And then, uh, uh, th- I think it was three years later, I joined one with Ernie Dodd okay. in Tass- on his farm in Tattanoil. Okay. And uh, that was a tremendous sale, really. Uh, there were people from everywhere there. Uh, yeah. Just couldn't, People just couldn't get anywhere near the ring.
0: You mentioned John Downs, I remember showing cattle, I think 1977, showing at the Shropshire West Midland show, and uh, he had uh, Tattanoil Hublo. I think. Did he not own Hublot? That,
1: that's right. He owned him and uh, he, and
0: only daughter shares in between them. Yeah. Mm, okay. Okay. And you said you carried on having those uh, uh, production sales on a regular basis, building your numbers up and then putting them back down. And obviously, a huge demand for, for for females across the country.
1: Yeah. I did, after the Tatnall sale, I had one in, con- in conjunction with David Fassarini
0: mm-hmm. on his place. Okay. Mm-hmm. Big demand for those. And, and would you cows been big. I've seen photographs of you with it with, with measurements, and it's 160 centimeters. Would you have got your, your? Would your cows be bigger than the average Charolais about about the country, as more, would you say? They were.
1: I mean, those three cows we referred to earlier that we showed, um, Tulip, Umbel, and Empress. All three of them were 163 centimeters, mm-hmm. which was a, were, were tremendous cows. Mm-hmm. Cow. Mm-hmm. Tremendous. But most of the cows went back to Tatten,
0: impeccable, and he just left size in them, really, okay. you know.
1: Tremendous size and character.
0: Okay. And they're still chasing that size these days, uh, Esmore. I know you, you were going to your recent successes uh 15, um, It'd be a Express there, uh, 45,000. Would your cattle still be that That size? Would you still have that height in them now? Or would they have come down the way a little bit? They probably
1: don't want them quite as big as that. Um, there seems to be a, a swing maybe towards slightly smaller cattle. But. um. Uh, I still like big cattle, and I tend to try and breed them, uh, try and keep the size in them, really, mm. because they've got an automatic tendency to get smaller anyway. So you just need to to, to strive to keep the size; otherwise, your
0: herd becomes very small, really. Easy to bring them down the way, than and take them up the way. That's yeah, true. very much so. And, yeah. and your markets would would vary across the country. The commercial market, the Aberdeenshire boy boys, very keen on very keen on the Charolais. There, would that, would that be right?
1: They are, they are, are. that's where the
0: big market is for shellers, really. Sure, and it's about the high health status and your Yonis and various other things, they all come into play now. It isn't just about breeding bulls anymore, you've got a lot of health hoops to go through. Or being a vet, I suppose, maybe you're in charge of that, but uh, health is highly important, isn't it?
1: It is really, yeah, yeah. And
0: uh, we'll go on to to the modern in a minute. But going back the way, did you study some of these old boys? Uh, you said you were sort of breeding cheap People like Bob Adam, you know, Captain De Quincey, and 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 Harveston. Are These guys, did, did you did you look and see what they'd done, or did you just take it your own way?
1: Yeah, I I I was intrigued with a lot of these top breeders, really. And uh, you know, pedigree breeding has always been my interest. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I get uh, some fascination from it, really. Ever since I was, uh, I was in school. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: And is there mathematics involved in that as well?
1: Um, uh, not too much, really. I don't think. No, but the, uh, you know, genetics, yes, uh, middle um, I, I always, even when I was
0: in college, and, and genetics was part of the course, it was uh, that was a big interest to me. Really, mm-hmm. I remember talking to you about line breeding a long time ago. Now, but and you know, I was getting in the sheep side of it, and uh, yeah, they, they, there's there's a, a game that they they all not only with the line breeding. But at the end of the day, you said you still got to you still got to use your eyes.
1: Well, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay,
0: okay, and. So, um, recently, then um, you bought a bull Thrunton Voldemort with along with Charlie Bowden for fifty-five thousand. You still do a bit with Charlie? He's quite handy, quite lucky to you. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, we um, yeah, we bought Voldemort, and um, he he was um, um, a real muscly, thick sort of bull, um, and he did. We did very well with him, uh, but. Uh, I don't know uh, in this day and age whether um, uh, he would be, might have been a bit too thick for uh, what the market wants really now you know mm-hmm. we, uh, we would want something a little bit smoother and um, uh, with maybe uh, more lines and uh, maybe
0: not quite as much muscle. Okay, okay. And uh, um, impeccable is it still impeccable semen about you still using that? Has it still been used recently? I've heard I've heard well, tales.
1: I I have still got some impeccable semen, but then uh, fashion changes really, and uh, it's not so easy when you go back to using a bull that bred very well years ago, um, because of the the breed moves on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you've got to you've got to find new blood and uh, move along with it. Okay,
0: okay, yeah, and 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 obviously keep the figures with that as well. And Bly Lack fabulous was another bull. I think I think you were quoted as saying he uh, yeah, he, he he was an improvement of figures for you
1: yes he did in fact he was uh, i bought him um uh, he was a reserve senior champion in, in in Stirling and i bought him mainly as a as a, as a sweeper initially mm-hmm. uh, but then um having u- uh, used him and um, seen his calves uh, i used him a lot more because it, a, his figures were very good mm-hmm. his his calves scanned very well and um they turned out to be uh, um, far better cattle than I initially thought they would be, really. Okay. So uh, he, he was. He was a bull that was a big success.
0: Mm-hmm. Sometimes it can be the bull that you just buy, buy the one back and, and and can turn out right, but that's uh, the numbers. That's g- right. Numbers game that you that you play there. In 2018, sold Mardy Newman for forty thousand. Uh, so you sold a bull, Mardy Marwa, Was that how you pronounce it? Uh, of course, um, Andrew Reed brought. Oh, well, Andrew it, Reed, well, Reed brought he him he's
1: Talking about Black Bel- Fabulous. Well, Mardy Mar- uh, Newman would be a son of Black Fabulous. Okay. Yeah. He's over 40, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um uh, so that and uh, we sold another one for twenty eight thousand, uh, Jerusalem. So he was uh, fabulous did did bleed very well for us. Mm, it really. sounds like he did, eh?
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. And um, so you, you were talking about Mar de Yeah, mm. that's a bull we sold to um, Andrew Reed, uh, AJR Farms. Uh, that that was sold privately. That would be a son of, um, of my homebred bull, and um, he's done very well for them, really. And, uh, Winning the, the Highland Show
0: and, uh, uh, on two occasions, I think. Mm-hmm. A real show bull, isn't he? A real, real showy bull, as you'll know, because you saw him yourself when you were up there, up there last year, yes. And, and uh, yeah, went on and, and done very well. Andrew brought him out tremendously. Um, and, and, and moving on from the Charolais a little bit, you, you ever heard of limousines there as well, as well? Yes, I, um, I, I, I started with limousines more about
1: 10 years ago, maybe. Um, and, uh, went over to France and bought my first, um, uh, females in France. Um, and then I bought, um, some black females from Albert Howie the Knock,
0: mm-hmm.
1: And the black bull, uh, Grenco, bred very well, really. We bought him in Carlisle for 18,000. Mm-hmm. And he went, we took him to the Royal Welsh the following year, and he was a male champion there, the first time a black bull was, being a a, a male uh, limitant champion
0: okay okay are you finding a market are, are you predominantly black now now with them, or are you half and half or do you, you find a market for the black ones uh,
1: I would say we're probably two thirds red and one third black mm-hmm. but there is um an east market for the some black bulls you know some people actually want a black bull and there're not so
0: many of them about mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay and you've got bulls bulls to sell this, this how many cows are you running now with the, mm-hmm. with the limitants? Um, There'd probably be about um, 60 cows there maybe. Okay, alright, so 120 shower and 60 cows and you said that you cutting back, you've still got a still a big herd there with all the followers, you still must have what, 300 cattle about you I guess? Uh,
1: we've probably got about 600
0: altogether, yeah. Have you really? <laughs> okay. And, uh, and, and, this is, and, and this is just a hobby. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is where you go and do, you do your day job every day and run. This is a hobby. Incredible, incredible man as more And, and you, you sheep as well of course, not just cattle there. You, you've said you started with the Suffolk sheep and, and, and I think you dispersed them, but you went back in, did you? And certainly got Charolais sheep and uh, you've been in Charolais sheep for a long time, I think.
1: Yeah, I started with Charolais sheep years ago, went to France and bought um, with um, Jonathan Barber and who um, uh, it was the it was original man who brought them in and um, uh, brought quite a lot in and then um, just realised that there was so much work with sheep and that I got rid of them and then um, about um, uh, 10 or 15 years ago I bought another farm and there was a good sheep set up there so I thought oh, I might as well have some sheep so I went back into Charlotte and mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, I must be it wasn't for punishment really uh, because uh, the there is some work, especially with the Texels.
0: we are talk about Texels for a second. I don't think you're chasing the, 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 the land market, I think, more into the commercial yearling side of the job there with, with the Texels, I think. But uh, it's a serious game, that Texels.
1: It is, really, yeah. And um, quite honestly, uh, well, I, I'm in the in the ceiling in the job. And uh, uh, I don't chase the, the land market. I don't like these sheep with big heads mm. and short necks. Um I, I tend to to go gone for the for the bigger sheep with the smaller heads. Mm-hmm. Um but um uh you're not gonna hit the big money in that job but um you have uh, hopefully you have less problems.
0: Did you did you not have six and a half thousand for a share uh it a couple of years back? Yes, I did. I in Wellspool. Yeah, that's that's fairly good money. Yes, <laughs> more, but uh, maybe not compared to the cattle. But I suppose not compared to to the the top end of some of these textiles. They are they are big money. But the commercial trade and and, and commercial buyers coming to buy you at home, buy from you at home. I guess. Uh,
1: yes, um, I, I I sell. Um, it's, a, it's a good sale locally and within. Whether we sell quite a lot of the uh, top. Um, sealing rams, and then they uh, sell the, the others um, uh, at, at um, well, some at Bilt and some at um, Shrewsbury and uh, that sort of thing.
0: Oh, what, what numbers are you running a sheep? Um, it's probably uh, 250 texels, you would say. 250 texels. And Charolais as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> about, six, about 60 Charolais, and yeah, so about 300 pedigree.
0: Have you got a shepherd in looking after that lot? <laughs>
1: No, 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 no. I, um, I, I tend to do most of the lambing myself when I get some students in to help.
0: I don't know where you find the time or energy. I think everybody would say the same, to be fair. Esmore, uh, thank you for finding the time to talk to me anyway. I mean, it's uh, the, the listeners out there, if you want to listen back on the, a bit more about the Charolais, we covered them in episode 16 on Top Lines and Tails so, uh, maybe a year or so ago, and certainly some of your cattle were discussed on, on there, Esmore, and uh, absolute pleasure to have you on here. And you've got bulls going to Stirling this week. Just, just run us through the highlights of, of uh, or next week, should I say, run us through the highlights of, of, of what you're taking up there. A good run of bulls? Well,
1: yeah, there's, uh, there's a decent um, set of bulls going up. Uh, um, most of them would be by uh, French sires, uh, and um, well, we'll just have to wait and see what the what the trade's going to be like, really. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, well, I wish you well with that, anyway, and uh, I wish you all the rugby on Saturday as well. As more, you probably get t- don't get time yeah. don't get time to watch that. I suppose. <laughs>
1: Uh, well um, I, I just saw the second half last Saturday and that was very good
0: <laughs> I'm sure you'll have that to tell him when you get to Scotland next week to remind him that you won the second half in that game Esmore it's been an absolute <laughs> yeah, it's, been, right, okay. it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and I really appreciate you taking the time there and, and, and all the best with with, uh, with the next week or so. thanks very much Esmore thanks thank you thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Top Lines and Tales podcast and uh, I hope you enjoyed that one there as always, I'd like to give a shout out to our sponsors, Harbro, for their fantastic continued support of the Top Lines and Tales podcast. And why not check out and see what Harbro can do for you with their superb range of nutrition and their the free nutritional advice that they give out there. Contact your local representative or check them out on the internet and see, see that fantastic range of nutritional products, especially this time of year. needing a little bit extra there when the, the weather's coming and, and bad. Uh, please, uh, please check out and see how Harbro not just help you, but helping the nation of Britain's livestock farmers they're uh, bringing their livestock out at their very best condition uh, through these winter times and through the whole year. And while you're checking them out there at harbro.co.uk or on social media, why not have a look at our Top Lines and Tales Facebook page and uh, join in the community there of Top Lines and Tales followers where we discuss this and other episodes and various other things that go on in the livestock world to, throughout the world in actual fact and uh, there's always some good discussion, and some good chats and some photographs to back up this and previous episodes.